What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, check it out now. Uh, no doubt now. Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. It's the Beating the Book podcast. Gil Alexander live from Circa, which uh, I don't believe we've ever done a podcast from Circa before. We did it from the D all football season. Uh, But obviously, uh, for those watching the video clip on this, look at the background. Look how great this place is. It's unbelievable Uh, here at Circa Sports. Uh, And thrilled to have a all-star cast talk about the draft. First of all, uh, my partner on uh, primetime action, which uh, we do Monday through Friday night. Sometimes on MSG Plus, eh, sometimes not. It's Matt Brown. How you doing, Matt? Doing well, doing well. During football season, MSG Plus. Yes. Outside of that, eh, that's eh. how we that's how we should start yeah. saying it, right? That's yeah. how exactly how we should start saying it. And then with the uh, with the circa backdrop, the nighttime dusk circa <laughs> backdrop from the uh, Deep Dive Podcast, it's Drew Densig. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. We're a week out from the draft. This time of year is super fun. Uh, love all of the. Uh, looking into the crystal ball of who's going to do what in the draft. This is uh, this is this is what it's all about, dude. I cannot wait. We are exactly one week away from the uh, NFL draft, and we'll go through everybody's uh, favorite picks here, favorite props that they've already bet. Uh, obviously, on this show, I saved the best for last. I was going to introduce him first, but he uh, he went off camera for a second, so I wanted to make sure he had time to get in his seat. Uh, he is the host of Lombardi Line at Veasan. He uh, has a podcast of his own with Adnan Vert called GM Shuffle. The name of the book is Gridiron Genius. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. He has worked with all the greats. Not all the greats. Again, no Joe Gibbs. But Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, <laughs> Bill Belichick, Al Davis. It's Michael Lombardi. Thank you for doing this, Michael. Appreciate it. No no problem. It's nice to be here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Michael, let me start with you um, before mm-hmm. we get into all our, our props. Let me start with um, the top of the draft. Because in mm-hmm. many respects, this is, I think, the most confusing, maybe not confusing, but the draft that I probably know the least about one through six, a week out in recent memory. 
Um, if you if you are okay with Trevor, not okay with, but if you believe Trevor Lawrence is absolutely going number one. By the way, the surest thing in this draft is Trevor Lawrence tweeting out that he's already donating to Jacksonville charity. So he is going number one. Uh, if you believe Zach Wilson is going number two, though, to the Jets, where a week out do you stand? And you've been very consistent about this on three. Let's start there. You know, I think I think let's start with this idea for the better. If you want to play props and you want to use mock drafts as kind of a guideline for your prop betting, I think you have to be strategic in looking at each mock. For example, if you want to know what the Rams are going to do in the draft or perhaps San Francisco, read Peter Schrager's mock because he's pretty wired in those organizations. If you want to know what the Jets are going to do or what Baltimore's going to do, then make sure you read Daniel Jeremiah's mock. If you want to know what some other teams, you read Charlie Cashley's mock. These are the mocks you read because they'll give you a peek into what the teams are really thinking. They're not going to be perfect on all the drafts. So let's like take Peter, Peter Schrager's draft, mock draft. He just released it uh, April 20th, right? He has exactly the way I see it. He has Mac Jones coming to three, which is what I think is going to happen. I think it's a debate in that organization between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I think the head coach really likes Mac Jones. He likes his intelligence. He likes his ability to control the game at the line of scrimmage. He sees a combination of Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, uh, Kirk Cousins, all those players wrapped into Mac Jones. The, the people on the outside of the building don't see that. And some in the inside of the building don't see that. They favor Trey Lance. So I think, you know, if I were a betting man, I would bet Mac Jones at three. I would hedge my bet with something on Trey Lance as well. Interesting that Justin Fields was not in that conversation for you. By the way, Peter Schrager has uh, Travis Etienne going to Washington at 19. So do not look at Peter Schrager's draft for Washington specific picks. Let me just say that. Yeah. I mean, look, that that's why I think you have to be really careful. Do you have to pick certain teams that, you know, guys are really wired on, right? You know, go through Peter Schrager's Twitter feed. What stories does he break that that are true based on like, like for me, like people like they, if I say something about the Patriots, people tend to believe it because they know I talked to the head coach. So, you know, Carolina, my son works there, you know, but not all drafts, not all mocks are perfect. But when you, when you have a, a guy like Charlie Cassidy, who does a good job of collecting information you got to look at all his information and where he has guys go, and you can utilize that draft, that mock as well. Drew, number three, you see it a little differently, or at least you, you read the tea leaves differently anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, it's really funny how there's sort of an asymmetry about the coverage of the draft and where actual value betting lies, because if you actually think that there's a value play to be made on three, you're probably you're probably deluding yourself. <laughs> uh, I would say that there are lots of value draft, you know, value propositions down the board at this point. Uh, and, you know, I, I personally, uh, while I completely agree with, you know, Mike's take overall that there, you have to do a blended approach where you kind of evaluate uh, the quality of information across all the mocks, depending on who's connected to who, I would still point to San Francisco and say, they would be at the top of the board for me of a team that has mastered sort of the the psyops, the disinformation campaign, and the obscuring, you know, what they ultimately end, in, intend to do. And I think this is probably the most important pick that's going to happen under the Lynch-Shanahan regime. Uh, and the idea that 
they even would have told somebody is that they are especially close to like Pete Schrager, what their true intention is, I think is, I, I have suspicion about that. Um, and you know, as I look, you, you know, th there's a reason that Zach Wilson is like minus 5,000 to go to the jets, but Mac Jones is like minus 150 to go to the Niners. You know, that the jets are not trying to hide information. They're being very out in the open with it and they leak all of the time. You know, it's relatively well known when we get to the draft cycle who the Jets like. But I would point to the Niners even last year and Peter Schrager's mock. He had them taking, uh, you know, one of the he had them taking, I think, rugs uh, at 13 overall last year. The consensus mocks across the boards where they loved rugs. They loved Judy. They loved Lamb. They were going to get one of those three guys and pick 13 got to them. Uh, Lamb and Judy were available. And rather than make those picks, they traded down and took Kinlaw to replace DeForest Buckner. And it was like, I, you couldn't find a single mock in the, in the space that linked them to Kinlaw. And it was like, okay, uh, they did a very good job of sort of deceiving the fact that they really didn't have eyes for any of those three guys when they, with their first pick. Uh, and in their second pick, they did use on a wide receiver. And it was somebody that nobody saw coming in Brandon Ayuk. So I would I would say that Shanahan is one of the guys that I would put the least amount of confidence in anyone saying that they've heard with any kind of credibility that they know what he would do. Um, I've bet into fields at three pretty heavily at this point. I'm prepared to take it as a loss. I've been prepared <laughs> to take it as a loss since yeah. doing it in the first place because <laughs> I've just been like, I I have a tough time swallowing how a team gives up so much future capital to move up and take Mac Jones when the likelihood he was going to be there much lower in the draft is, you know, it, it just, it didn't make sense mathematically. It didn't make sense in terms of the value of that pick for me, that that would be Mac Jones. Um, and similarly, Trey Lance, you know, if you're, if you're leveraging all of this future capital and this goes beyond just pick three with the Niners, but if you're leveraging so much of your future capital for a player that started one year of FCS football, like you've started the clock on your, the end of your tenure, right? If that pick doesn't work out and there's maybe a 50, 50 chance that it doesn't, uh, you know, like that's, that's it. That's the end. You know, you've passed on a guy like fields who is, you know, who I think has a, a higher floor. Um, you know, you may have, you may have captured the next, uh, you know, the next great quarterback in, in Lance, but if it doesn't work out, you know, that's it for you. And I have a tough time feeling, you know, seeing that people would, you know, leverage that much future capital for unknown quantities like this. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, lastly, the, the, um, the fit, between Fields and San Francisco, in my opinion, is is so strong, uh, and the the connection to the through the quarterback collective between Shanahan uh, and uh, and Fields going back to high school, and that, that he's a known quantity for them. On top of the fact that he was an Iron Man in the semifinal game in college in the college football semifinal game, played through broken ribs, and here's Shanahan. He's dealt with uh, you know RG three, who is a generational talent. His, his legs go in year one. Uh, you know, he can't stay on the field. He he gets Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots. Jimmy Garoppolo looks amazing down the stretch. That first season they trade for him. He can't stay on the field. He's made of glass, you know. So the idea that Shanahan's kind of, I would err on the side of a guy that is an Iron Man that's going to take the field, even with broken ribs, I think is real. And, uh, you know, the only reason I could think that they would run this sort of misinformation campaign uh, you know, the psyops on, on, you know, the, the football media landscape would just be to keep the jets locked in on Wilson at two, because, uh, I have, I personally think the fields Wilson 
the space between those two players and their their potential in the NFL is very thin. Uh, and Zach Wilson, in my mind, is is a higher candidate for being an NFL bust than Fields is. But um, you know that that's uh, that's kind of where I've landed. But uh, with all that said, it's the most fun topic to talk about in the draft prop space. But it, there are lots of better options for for finding betting value. For sure. By the way, I I, I, I would say this. I, I would say this, Gil. I, I'd like to rebut that. Please. I would say this. If if you really understand Kyle Shanahan, and you understand what he's looking for, you you can't think it's Justin Fields. If you understand, if you've had conversations with Kyle Shanahan about what he wants in his offense, about the mechanics of throwing the football, about understanding what's going to happen at the line of scrimmage, then it's going to either be Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And I heard all of what you said. And if you talk to people that have coached with him, if you heard him discuss the values of what he sees in the throwing motion, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the National Football League that have a real concern about Justin Fields' throwing motion. And there is a huge disconnect between most people in the league on where they see Justin Fields. You happen to see him much higher. But I think it's a little bit like valuing art, unless you really understand what the coach is looking for. And I didn't base my pick on Mac Jones being there at three based on Peter Schrager. I based it on what people have told me that have been in the league and I haven't been with Kyle Shanahan. And if you were to ask anybody who has been with Kyle, in the room, who we would pick, 99% of them would say Mac Jones is the guy. Yeah, I will tell you, Matt, you and I, well, on primetime action, the night of the Niners trading up to three for that haul, and by the way, what uh, Drew was saying is correct. I mean, these the, the line on number three keeps flip-flopping day after day from Mac Jones to Justin Fields at this point in terms of who's the favorite. So many more things more bettable at this point. But Matt, you and I, the, our first reaction was, they're drafting anybody but Mac Jones, but that was yeah. more of an assessment. Doesn't mean we don't like Mac Jones. That was more of an assessment of what we believe to be the game of the draft and where you could have otherwise gotten Mac Jones. Is that fair? Right. And, and, yeah. And I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I very well could be wrong. I think it's Justin Fields as well. I very well could be wrong. It could be Mac Jones. If it is Mac Jones, then I think one thing will be for certain they overpaid for it because they definitely didn't have to go to three to get Mac Jones. And so I definitely think at the end of this, if there is no, if it isn't Justin Fields and it's Mac Jones, then they likely overpaid for it. But, I mean, you know, look, we look at, at Justin Fields here, and this is a guy, him and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that no one's ever wavered on. He has been the guy that everyone says is going to be the next guy, the next generational talent. Uh, tr- uh, Justin Fields was ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence in one of the scouting services coming out of high school. Trevor Lawrence was ranked ahead of Justin Fields in the other. They come out. Everybody is talking about how good these guys are in college. If, if if Justin Fields had not played this season like a Jamar Chase didn't, then we would be arguing right now who the number one overall pick in the draft would be. Should it be Justin Fields or should it be Trevor Lawrence? No, he that would That no, was wouldn't. what we would be no, arguing right now. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. They, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> they, no, he wouldn't. They were literally mentioned in no, the same sentence every single, every single sentence for, last two, for two years. It, it, but the people that are mentioning it don't know what they're talking about. It's like you can't use a, foul, a false narrative to support a narrative. Like you're asking people, it's like saying, well, this guy was the best player coming out of high school running back, so we should talk about him. It's about their career, what they do on the field. Like that doesn't that doesn't value it. That's not how people in the National Football League build a draft board based on the conversation. Justin Fields has always been. Have you talked to anybody at Georgia about Justin Fields? Why he transferred? What happened? 
Do you understand how Jake Fromm beat him out? I mean, I don't understand it, but do you? I don't understand well, how that happened, but it did. But my point here is simply this. Look, I, I'm not going to debate over over it because, you know, it could, if it's Justin Fields, then I'm completely wrong. But I think the reality of it is, is anybody who thinks that we would have a conversation between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence this summer, it, we're not watching the same tape. We're not watching the same tape. We're not watching the same game of football. That was never going to be the case. That was never going to be the case. And and so for me, it's like, look, he played his senior year. You watched him. He did his thing. And you go on. I, I just, I, here's what I don't understand. Mac Jones did more at Alabama. And I'm not, and, and if I were picking at three, I would take Sewell, the tackle. So let me get that out of the way. I'm not in love with any of the quarterbacks. I want to make this perfectly clear. I'm not defending Mac Jones here. But I think there's a real bias going on here. That, you know, Matt Jones, every Alabama player will openly tell you without even asking, without even asking the question, who's a better player, Tua or Mac Jones? Absolutely, absolutely, Mac Jones, not even close. They change the offense for Mac Jones. They throw the ball downfield more for Mac Jones. They did more things to fit his game that was more conducive to the pro game than anything. And now I know we're not allowed to say a bad word about Tua, but you didn't think Tua was a bad pick at the fourth pick in the draft last year. But yet you think the third pick is too rich. When Kyle Shanahan, I'm told, thought that there's going to be teams that trade up into the top five, namely New England, namely Carolina, maybe Denver, to get Mac Jones. And he wanted to beat him to the punch. Now that could be all wrong, but that's the conversation. I will I will go ahead and let this be known for the rest of the podcast. I've talked to no head coaches. I've talked to no player personnel people. I have no one in any any NFL offices. So all of this definitely comes from opinion and things that I've that I've you know gotten along the way. I think there's a fundamental disagreement as to how good Justin Fields was in college. Uh, there is a lot of high high level grading systems out there. And again, I understand they're not in the NFL offices, but Pro Football Focus is pretty highly regarded. He had a 92.4 passing grade through then, deadly accurate. All of the, everything that they're saying. Have you ever uh, seen about, Have you ever seen the corners that Pro Football Focus grades and where they end up grafting and how they play? Like I, I'm just telling you that this phenomenon about Pro Football Focus, if they, if they were so right on quarterbacks, then why is all of them getting blown? All of the picks blown. Like, do you even know who does the quarterbacks for bro football focus? Like who grades them? Like, I, I like, I, I, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I don't be, I want to be argumentative on a podcast, but I just not going to, you know, like I'm, I don't understand how people can kill Mac Jones. And then in the same I, sentence, I don't think talk about Tua. No, I don't like think we're he's killing the greatest him. quarterback, no, but, he, no but people, but I think two is over four. <laughs> Tua went four. Think, Nobody complains about think, Tua going four. I think Hurts might end up being a better quarterback ultimately than Tua. He might be. Um, but, but, but realistically, the the I I I just have a tough time having seen only film, talked to no one, that not not ranking them sort of in the consensus ranking, which was Lawrence Wilson, Fields, Lance, Jones, and Jones at fifth. To me, I, I completely concede that what he did at last year in Alabama was awesome, but it was legitimately one of the best offensive systems that we've ever seen in college football ever. He had one of the most competent offensive lines of that you could, you could ask for his weapons. He was throwing to were, uh, you know, future all pro NFL players. Like it, it, it was the perfect storm. He didn't have to do much. He was in a very comfortable situation. And he, to me, 
I don't know that he has an NFL body personally. I think he needs to put on a ton of weight to stay healthy. I think if you put him behind the San Francisco offensive line and he takes shots from NFL players, I'm worried. I'm very much worried about God, Sorry, guys. I got an emergency alert. Um, I'm, I'm worried about him t- picking up injury in the same breath that I was worried about Joe Burrow last year going to Cincinnati. Um, whereas with fields, at least I, the durability question's not there for me. Um, and I, you know, the throwing motion is a very interesting wrinkle that I haven't heard anyone bring up before. And if, you know, Shanahan, obviously an absolute offensive guru situation and where you land as a quarterback matters almost as much as talent, in my opinion, in terms of if you are going to ultimately be a top 10 quarterback in this league and any quarterback lands in Shanahan's system, you are already at the head of the curve of finding success. I think there's no, no doubt about that. Um, but I do, if fields ends up in a decent situation as well, uh, and Jones has a pretty clear ceiling in the same way Jared Goff did with the Rams, uh, I could see this ultimately being a very stressful situation for Shanahan and Lynch long-term with the San Francisco organization, considering what they gave up to move up to this spot. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. It's it's going to be fascinating. Uh, we're going to give people some bets here. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole anymore because we could do an hour on this. Um, but I will just say I think the Mac Jones, you know, being surrounded by players is valid. I think Justin Fields being uh, being surrounded by nothing but the best players in the country uh, argument is valid too. We don't have a, a plethora of Alabama and Ohio State quarterbacks succeeding in the NFL. Uh, that could change with these two guys. But by the way, I will tell you that Trevor Lawrence, and I know this will make your head explode, perhaps Michael. But the last two, you know, biggest stages, and then one in the national finals, one in the national semifinals, I walked away from those Trevor Lawrence games, and I was like, I don't know, you know? And he was surrounded by great players, too. So, you know, I may live to eat those words for sure. Maybe there are certain things I don't understand about Trevor Lawrence, but I'm not 100%. By the way, Zach Wilson, we don't, there's a lot of questions about Zach Wilson, right? So your point is right that the questions about all of them, um, 
But as far as the draft is concerned, I guess one week from tonight, we'll find out who, in fact, the Niners do pick at three. And then what happens after that, four through six? I mean, that's an even bigger question. Will Atlanta trade out? Will they stay and draft Kyle Pitts? Will they stay and draft Sewell? Uh, If Atlanta trades out, you would assume it's for a fourth quarterback. Then what happens at five? Will the Bengals take Sewell to protect Joe Burrow? Will they take Jamar Chase if if Joe Burrow's in their ear about his former teammate at LSU? At six, you have to figure Jamar Chase can't go past six. So let me just ask it this way, and I've asked this of, of all of you in some different form on radio this week. What do you think we do know? Give me the the one draft prop out there, and, and Jamar Chase going under six and a half triggers that for me because I think we do know that. Uh, assuming Miami stays where they are, they are fielding phone calls as well. Is that the play you like the most, Michael? We'll start with you, or is there another one? Is it about offensive players? What do you think you know for sure? I th- I think Kyle Pitts going below five and a half is the one I do know. Now I, I say that with Atlanta not trading that pick which I don't think they'll do. But I think Kyle Pitts and Atlanta are, it it makes the most sense to me. I think Cincinnati at five, I I think it's Sewell, but I wouldn't say it's a lock. So I don't like Sewell under six and a half as a lock is something that I know. It makes too much sense not to pick Sewell at six, at five. At six, I agree with you on Chase. But, you know, I've seen these drafts where everybody talks offensive line, uh, wide receiver, then offensive linemen get there. So if Pitts, if, if Sewell is there at, at six, how do they not take him? So for me, I mean, those are the really the ones that I, I, I feel the most comfortable with uh, as it relates to some of the props. Uh, I think Justin Fields, for me, after four, three and a half or above is, is, for me, a really good pick. I don't know where I put Trey Lance in that. Matt, same question. Uh, I think the fa- my favorite one that I have in pocket right now is just total wide receivers over four and a half. I mean, again, we we understand each mock draft is is a person's opinion, and each mock draft has certain people with different with different type of information. But if we do kind of go and we look at at these wide receivers in these mock drafts, like you know, Steve Palacios has six in his, Sam Monson has seven, Kuiper has six, McShay has six, Brugler has five. Ryan Wilson from CBS has five sharp football has six. So like there isn't any sort of respected mock draft out there that has only four wide receivers going in the first round. Now it's not a bet for every bankroll because you do have to lay about, I think at this point it's gotten up to like 250 or 260. I got it fortunately a little bit earlier. I think I got it at 220. But um, you know, again, if you do have that type of bankroll, um, what we do know for sure, I mean, I, th- I don't think anyone's arguing that, that Chase Smith, Waddle, and, and Moore seem to be the consensus guys that are definitely going in the first. We see a lot with Bateman going in the first, and the most of them have Bateman and Moore going in the first. Terrace Marshall moving into a lot of the first rounds as well. And then even, you know, again, the Sam Monson uh, profile focus has seven. He has, he has Rondell Moore from Purdue going in the first. So, I mean, there's, there's at least a, a good number of guys there that we could make sense for all of them going in the first round. And so uh, I really do like the over four and a half a lot. Yeah, I grabbed that one. I had minus 250, so I was willing to lay. A lot of these, by the way, I've laid ridiculous. Uh, you and I, I think, have uh, yeah. Chase under six and a half laid, or, or was it first wide receiver drafted? I laid um, minus, there it is, first wide receiver to be drafted, minus 550. I have no problem. Yeah. I just got an under one and a half on tight ends. Kyle Pitts and prove me wrong, 
I just laid minus 380 on. So that's the other thing about these drafts. You would yeah. you lay prices in a way that you would never, I don't know about never, but most likely not be willing to lay in actual, you know, sporting events. Uh, Drew, you had the same answer, did you not, with the wide receivers, or was it something else? Offensive players, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same bet, effectively. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, the macro trend in the NFL is pretty clear. Uh, we're running more three wide receiver sets. That means two things. You need you need wide receiver bodies to uh, you know to absorb those targets, and you need a better offensive line because you're putting more stress on them by not giving them as much tight end help. Like that's the macro trend that you're seeing across most offenses and that are being run in the NFL right now. Uh, and on top of that, you have a bumper crop of tackles and wide receivers in this year's draft. Um, and so the likelihood that we see you know, six to seven offensive linemen is high. The likelihood that we see, um, you know, five to six wide receivers is high. Uh, and then I think, you know, almost without, with, with almost certainty, you're going to see five quarterbacks in one tight end. So right there, uh, you know, you're, you're flirting with 18 and 18, 19 offensive players. Um, and then one surprise of, a, you know, one running back, potentially two running backs uh, have been, you know, commonly mocked lately. Um, you know, that would put you over the top. So offensive players over, I think is still quite solid, although we've seen a ton of movement in that in the last 48 hours. So, uh, it's getting to close to the place where I think, you know, you, they've, they've about settled on fair price. Um, the, the rest of the top 10 and the interesting things to talk about and the high confidence picks just aren't really there this year. Um, I agree with Mike that Kyle Pitts as an underplay makes a ton of sense because I do think Atlanta is going to be stuck at four and best player available at that point in time would be Kyle Pitts. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the Bengals, I think Sewell versus Chase is pretty much a coin flip at this point. Um, depending on which day you happen to be cruising, uh, you know, the draft information space, the Bengals have either decided one or the other and depending on which source. Um, I can make a case that the Bengals having invested a lot of first round draft capital over the last handful of years in offensive line with relatively little return. And then Mike Brown going out and signing Riley Reef, albeit not a great player, but giving him money um, to come in and play tackle uh, is probably enough of a, uh, you know, enough of a sway that if I'm the Dolphins and I covet Jamar Chase, I'm sweating them picking that, making that fifth pick because. Uh, I would maybe make it 51% Chase, 49% Sewell at the at, just at this moment, and uh, you know it's it's possible that the Dolphins moved up back into that sixth spot with no, recognizing that between Pitts, Sewell, and Chase, you have three future All Pros, and one of those guys is going to fall to us. We don't really care who, um, but just kind of the way that roster is constructed, I think they'd need more. Uh, offensive weapons, and uh, if they end up with Sewell instead of Pitts and Chase, I think they may have a little bit of regret for what they gave up to go from 12 to 6. Uh, is Patrick Sertan to Dallas at 10 the player and team you've seen the most matched in mocks, Matt? Yeah, um, you know, this one, I actually, there, there's a site you can go to that aggregates all these things, and basically he has been from the beginning of March until yesterday, he had been mocked to the Cowboys in 65% of the mock drafts out there. Um, and, and then the ones that weren't, it was Caleb Farley. So, I mean, it, it basically were, it's basically corner for the Cowboys and basically every single one of these mocks that are getting put out there, it was either Sertan or, or Caleb Farley in just about every one of them. I mean, they were 21st against the pass DVOA, 27th coverage grade. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense here. They went and they did offense last year. You come back first round this year. 
and get a corner in there in being a passing league, as, as, as Drew mentioned, I mean, being a passing league, you either pass rushers or guys that can cover. And so, um, it makes a lot of sense for him. I think the under 10 and a half, which is still available out there is pretty viable for him. I think him being the first defensive player taken is Mm. pretty viable as well. Um, that, uh, I think that whenever you kind of look at how, again, there's likely to be a trade that we're not thinking about that's going to happen somewhere along the way before it gets to the Cowboys. But, you know, as we sit right now, at least, if you kind of go through and you peg these things down, it looks like he's gonna, he could be the first defensive player taken as well. Michael, let me ask it this way. What's the team, and, and you know these guys as, as well as anybody, what's, what's the team that you always go into these drafts and you're like, this is the team most likely to do something stupid? Uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, the, the Bengals don't take the offensive tackle that qualifies as stupidity. I mean, you know, they just watch the Super Bowl. You know, I, I know Jamar Chase is a great, nice player and I think he'd be on, but Sewell, you're talking about a pro bowl left tackle for 12 years, you know, like seriously, you're, you're not going to take that and to protect your quarterback. I mean, you know, like there's no way that doesn't make sense. So and then I think lately the way the Giants have behaved, I don't think they behave in a manner that's typical to what they do. They've been all over the place. I mean, just take this for example. I mean, they go ahead and pay a ton of money to sign a Dory Jackson, who I liked coming out in the draft. But had they traded a seventh round pick to Tennessee, who was offering a Dory Jackson for a seventh if, 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 right? They were ready to give them to you. They would have saved $14 million if they make that trade. They, so they just told you the seventh is more valuable than 14 million. Tell me how that makes sense. Interesting. Because they would have taken, they would have taken the contract of a Dory Jackson, which owed him 10 million, as opposed to give them 24 million. What should they draft at 11? Wide out? Oh no, they they you know, look. They just signed Galladay and paid him 20 million dollars. I mean, you draft another wide out. I mean, how much you got to have at the position? They still have Sterling Shepard. They still have uh, a Slayton playing for them. I'm not saying they're great. They, they have no right side of their offensive line. Look at their offensive line. You know, they signed a kid from Houston uh, last year. I mean, who played for Houston last year, who wasn't very good. Fulton, Zach Fulton, you know, they don't have a right tackle. They have a kid who was a college free agent at right tackle. They, they can't function as an offense without it. You know, they're really in trouble there. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. 
tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Let me go through some of the let me go through all of the of the draft bets that I have made so far. Um, and I don't know if we can show these on the screen, but Justin Fields, I have uh, at the second overall pick and at the third overall pick, second overall pick, eight to one, third overall at plus 140. I didn't get the best number on third. But yes, I, I played him at second, too, because I'm not 1000 percent convinced that Zach Wilson is going to the Jets. Uh, then some of the ones we've talked about over 17 and a half offensive players drafted minus 170 over four and a half wideouts drafted minus 250. These are all bets that I already have in pocket. Jamar Chase first wideout to be drafted. Uh, minus 550, mentioned that earlier, willing to lay the uh, the ha- hammer on that one. Then I have Chase under six, Chase under six and a half at various prices, minus 250 and minus 240, respectively. Terrence Marshall, uh, Terrace Marshall, rather, who would be the second uh, LSU player and the second LSU wideout to go in the first half. I did not, um, first round, rather, I didn't get him at the best number here at Circa. I was 80 minutes late to the desk here at 9 a.m. on uh, Saturday. I only got here at 1020, but I he was the one player where the line... M- I still bet it after the line moved a little bit. So I went Terrace Marshall under 30 and a half, figuring the Ravens at 27 were really the fulcrum for him. Pitts under five and a half a couple times. Sewell over five and a half, because I do think the Bengals will mess around and not pick him. And then Mac Jones under nine and a half, just because I like that uh, line that they set at nine and a half. There's two others I made more recently. Under one and a half on tight ends. I laid minus 380 at the South Point. And just now, beforehand, and, and Michael, I'll ask you about this. I just bet the Chargers at 13 or wherever they make their first pick, currently slotted at 13, to draft an offensive lineman first. I only laid minus 120. I haven't seen a mock out there that doesn't have them drafting an offensive lineman. How do you feel about the Chargers? Well, I think the Chargers definitely drafted an offensive lineman. I don't know why you won't give up on the on the Jets. They're definitely taking Wilson. I mean, that's been in the cards. Once he passed their physical, once they felt comfortable, that's when they traded Darnold. The other thing I think you're going to get bid on is Terrence Marshall. He he had a tough time with his physical. He has slid down the board. I would say right now he's probably the eighth receiver on the board uh, based on medical. Yeah, I made the Justin Fields pick a while back, so I probably, to your point, wouldn't have made that today. Um, obviously, no, I'm Terrence Marshall, the wide receiver no, no, from LSU. Oh, no, I'm, I'm saying Zach, I was saying he, the Justin Fields second pick, yeah, in other words, I wouldn't have made today. Pardon yeah. me, Terrence Marshall under 30 and a half. That was the one, one exception I made in terms of movement, but your your point is, is noted. Uh, Drew, what else have you bet? Um, I got ahead of the Farley steam on the uh, over, uh, his medicals are concerned. I think he's going to slide into the twenties. Um, similar and, uh, flip flip side of that is, um, uh, JC Horn, uh, is I, I have a tough time seeing him go past 13, honestly. Um, and realistically the, you know, you brought up Patrick Sertan to the uh, Cowboys earlier. I get it. That's a great fit. Um, I get it that the mock drafters look at need for the Cowboys and just slot him there because they they evaluate Sertan as the best option at cornerback. So obviously he'll go first. But I actually haven't really seen any true connection that Cowboys are uh, all on all in on Sertan. Uh, I could see them look for Horn. I think there are a lot of minds in the NFL that see Horn as a better long-term prospect at, at cornerback than than Sertan. Um, similarly, the Eagles need a cornerback. They could take Horn at 12. 
Uh, and then, um, you know, the, I could see, I've heard rumors that, uh, that both the chargers, uh, and the, um, and the Arizona Cardinals are very high on horn as well. And have been making calls recently to try to trade into the range where he would be available. Um, so I think the horn market is getting hot and he will go earlier than people are mocking currently. Uh, similarly, Rashawn Slater, the second offensive lineman off the board, I think is going to go a lot higher than his original line that was posted. I bet pretty heavily into under 13 and a half, under 11 and a half. Uh, and I could see the landing spots for Slater uh, all over the place between seven and 11. Um, I, you know, that you've kind of, you get the feeling that uh, a lot of times you have GMs who are somewhat on the rocks or a little bit under pressure. Um, and you know, you have, you can do one of two things. You can make a risky pick and take a quarterback of the future, in which case you kind of start the clock on your tenure, uh, or you can take an offensive tackle and that's a lot safer play. And I can see a lot of kind of, you know, got a lot of guys in the range of seven to 11, you know, opt for the latter there. Uh, there's been some, you know, some politicking for Slater that he potentially is as good, if not better prospect than Sewell. I don't see that, but, uh, if someone else does and they're in that range, then, uh, he could go a little bit earlier than people are expecting as well. Mateo, what you got? I have, as we've talked ad nauseum, I have, uh, I got four and a half wide receivers first round. I've got Justin Fields under four and a half as opposed to three and a half. So, uh, does give me an extra chance there if he doesn't happen to go three, which I also have Justin Fields going number three pick overall. But if he doesn't, uh, someone getting uh, getting antsy and trying to trade with the Falcons to get him at four. So I do have him under four and a half. I have Jamar Chase under six and a half. I have Jamar Chase first wide receiver taken. I have Micah Parsons as first linebacker taken. And this is strictly, this is based off of absolutely no intel other than the fact that 92% of every single mock draft that has been put on, put out there has Micah Parsons as a lot first linebacker taken. They could be wrong. They is certainly, uh, there's still an 8% chance. And that means 8% of the time it doesn't happen or trades or any kind of anything like that. But I, w- I was willing to, uh, to lay the juice on that one. I have Cowboys to take a defensive player as their first pick. Um, and I did go ahead and take Sertan under 10 and a half as well. Um, Drew makes some good points. I, the, the one, like I said, they, it is, all over the place as far as what people seem to be the smoke around the Cowboys could be Sertan, could be Farley, could be Horn even um, with with that. But uh, Sertan being the one that at least is most often mentioned, I did go ahead and uh, go there with that one as well. I, I, you know, I've been looking around and I think this is one of those ones, guys, that I think we've kind of we kind of alluded to it at least a little bit here at the beginning. But uh, and Drew, I think you might have even said it. But as far as as far as value goes now as we sit a week out and looking i mean unless we get some sort of wave of information unless we get some sort of you know insider stuff that seems to be you know accurate or whatever i'm having a hard time pulling much more um out of this it's it's i was i've been digging through this as as much as i possibly can over the last week and a half and i i like the ones that i've got and i've liked the ones that i've got in pocket but I don't think I'm going to be betting just for the just for the hell of it and just for the sake of betting here. And I don't I don't think that there's a lot to to really pull out of this anymore. I I agree with that overall sentiment at this point. I, I will say this: I'm rooting for comedy at this point. The three most comical things I think that could happen: uh, the Raiders drafting Jalen Waddle at 17, just right, <laughs> just based on sheer speed at wideout that they would go crazy again. The Packers drafting a quarterback obviously would be ridiculous. The Cowboys trading up for Kyle Pitts 
which we've kind of heard a, a, a buzz or two about, would be absolutely ridiculous, too, in their attempt to have maybe the number one offense and the number 32 defense in the NFL. That would be ridiculous. Um, they might have that anyway. They, they might have that anyway. That's right. Um, Michael, I did want to ask a couple random questions, though, before, before we close this out, though. 24, Matt and I talked about this on Primetime Action last night. I had Warren Sharp on a numbers game first thing this week. And he went off on how ridiculous it would be if the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted a running back at 24. And one of the things that I'm very cognizant of is, listen, the draft is an inexact science to begin with. As you point out, I mean, like the, the, play, the, the people who are picking themselves don't necessarily know how, how these players will pan out, let alone those of us who then chime in afterwards. But one of the things that I do feel like I can comment about is the game of the draft, where you ought to pick players and where you ought not. 24, though, if the Steelers drafted Najee Harris, I can't see myself getting that worked up about it. He was really worked up about them drafting a running back at 24. Where do you stand on that? You know, I, I think it depends on the value of the board. I mean, you know, if, if there's something, if they had an offensive lineman that they felt really good about, you know, then certainly you could say, well, we could trade back up in the second and we'll get one of these backs. I think it's easy for guys to be critical of where you take a guy. It really matters how they play. I mean, Harris is a really good back. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not in love with drafting running backs in the top 10. I think once you get past that, you've got to look at the player and what he contributes. You know, if they want Ben, I mean, it would make sense if they drafted a quarterback because Ben's not going to play next year very at a high level. He didn't play at a high level this year. So, you know, I, I mean, they got it. Can they get their quarterback of their future? If there's a guy there they like, they should take it. I doubt if there'll be a guy there that they like, but they got to try to get a good player on their team somewhere. And running back and offensive line are the two places that they have the biggest holes along with defensive line. I think the Steelers are going to take a giant step backwards to me. I think the one thing we've missed on and with the Cowboys is there's a lot of conversation that Cowboys taking an offensive lineman because Tyrod Smith is not healthy. They can move Collins over to left tackle and they need a right tackle. And the Cowboys, obviously, they're, they're probably most impactful draft ever was them choosing not to take Johnny Manziel and going offensive lineman twice some years ago. That really yeah. changed around that franchise. Drew, you were, where do you stand on 24? I'm just curious about if, if they pick Najee Harris, because how many times did we watch a Bama game and we're like, this dude, Mac Jones is great, Devontae Smith is great, but Najee Harris is the best player on the field. I, I don't, I don't really have, I, I'm kind of in the same boat where, you know, there's, there's, it's easy to make a case that um, picking a running back in the first round is a mistake. It's pretty easy to point to teams that have done this in the near, in the recent, uh, you know, recent past. I'll think of Rashad Penny, Sonny Michelle, you know, there, there are a lot of examples of, um, you, know, you know, even last year, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the chiefs, you know, like wouldn't, would a, would a, a little bit of offensive line depth been a better call in pick 32? Probably, um, you know, and, and, and for, for at least for the kind of the current state of the NFL, I want a running back who's got good hands, who's, you know, got multiple, uh, you know, multiple ways he can impact a game, not just uh, via the, you know, the, the, the handoff. And I want a guy that can get, uh, you know, get the short, get the hard yards, get the short yardage. Um, and, uh, I want you, it, but you can find those sort of guys, uh, you know, in the free agency market in the, you know, via trade, uh, for low impact draft capital or in the second round of the draft. And so, 
Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we see running back slide in general. Uh, however, Najee Harris does stand out as uh, you know kind of a, a pretty a pretty unique talent and uh, a huge character guy as well for a lot of locker rooms. And we know the Steelers build through culture through a large degree. And uh, if they feel like Najee Harris fits their culture and uh, and or you know all of the best offensive linemen are off the board by the time they're picking. Uh, I could see that happening and I'm not really going to be especially critical of them. You know, you know, I'm not going to be especially critical if they do that, but I also say their offensive line in Pittsburgh is in such a poor state that it really doesn't matter who's running the ball. I don't think you're going to get a ton of production. Uh, So I would say, you know, hold your, you know, hold your horses. If you're in like the dynasty fantasy draft situation or something like that, expecting he's going to make a huge impact for the Steelers in year one. Uh, Drew, you said uh, off air. You said you're saving something for the podcast. Did I? Did you already get that out there? <laughs> well, I think we've talked about most of the good stuff, okay. but uh, you know, just a couple of other guys that I've seen on the rise. Uh, there are a couple. You know, as you go down the board, there's a couple of guys that I think there's still some value on. Um, I'm getting the sense that there's a pretty decent buzz around Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, I have his under 41 and a half, and I can see that number's already on the move into the 30s. Um, you know, cornerback, it's again, it's 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 a tricky position because you out, you know, there's a there's a um, uh, a shortage of good cornerback talent across the league. So, and they, there are some good cornerbacks in this draft, um, but expecting to get a guy that's going to make a year one impact at cornerback is pretty uh, is pretty. Um, ambitious. Uh, you saw some pretty talented cornerbacks last year really not be able to do much in year one, and it wouldn't shock me if uh, teams are a little bit less, a little bit hesitant to use round one capital on cornerbacks this year. Um, but uh, Asante Samuel Jr. looks like a solid player to me and a long-term contributor for a, a you know a defense that's in need of a cornerback, and I think he's going to be sought after either at the end of round one or the top of round two. Um, and then a couple of linebackers that I've gotten, I've, I've heard, uh, the two Miami edge rushers ha- are falling pretty quickly. J- both Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau, for whatever reason, seem to be lower on draft boards than sort of the talent evaluators would have thought. Um, those guys are falling, falling fast. Um, and then, uh, but a couple of these linebackers do seem to be picking up steam. Uh, the Tulsa linebacker Zaven Collins is one, uh, the Kentucky linebacker Jamin Davis is one. Uh, and uh, Micah Parsons, I'm not entirely sold on, is going to go at LB1. So I'm going to take a couple of long-term swings there and and, and take uh, both um, uh, both Jamin Davis and uh, Zayvon Collins as LB1. Oh, okay. Um, that's, that is really the wild card of this draft. Gil Brandt, who's seen decades worth of drafts, was saying the other day, that that's the, the, the this will be the strangest draft because we have so many players. Not so many, but there's a handful of really top players. You just mentioned Micah Parsons. Jamar Chase falls under this category, obviously, as well, that took the year off. And so you really, you don't know. Panay Sewell, right? You you think you know what you're getting. You don't exactly know what you're getting. Matt alluded to it earlier with Justin Fields. Had he not played, I don't know how would how we'd be talking about him. Um, last thing, Michael, we leave with you, because the very first thing you said was, look at certain mock drafts where guys know certain franchises better than others. You alluded to it. You know the New England Patriots better than anyone. Um, what do you think they do? I think they, you know, if they have so many draft picks, I think if there's a receiver that slips into the uh, 10, 11, and 12 range, I think they go get them. Uh, they'll try to go get them. I think that could make sense if they felt like they could. Uh, if they can't uh, and they stuck at 15, I think they would look for the best offensive lineman uh, or trade back and 
and uh, take a receiver, a second receiver, a guy that maybe is not a lot of people think is a, a high first rounder that they would take at the bottom of the first. So I think those are their options. I think that's what they're looking for. I don't think they would trade up to get a quarterback. I don't think I don't think I that ask. they fit. I don't think they fit into the uh, the narrative of 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 Justin Fields. I think it would be if they traded. If they wanted to, they would trade to get a, a, someone like a Trey Lance that they could develop within a year. I don't, I don't see the mechanical element of Justin Fields fitting how they throw the ball. If you sat down with Tom Brady and studied quarterback throwing, and you asked Tom Brady to critique Justin Fields' throwing motion, Tom would have a dissertation on it. And, and, and I've listened to Tom talk about quarterbacks mechanics and his throwing and the elbow. And I think that's probably the biggest concern that teams that value the mechanics of the quarterback have with Justin. It's very interesting. Uh, we'll all know the answers to all these questions one week from tonight. Um, appreciate it. Michael Lombardi, who uh, just got off the Lombardi Thanks, line. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Lombardi line. Thanks, Gil. GM shuffle. Gridiron genius. Thanks, the name of the book. Thank you, sir. Uh, Drew Ditzik. <laughs> From uh, the Deep Dive Podcast, also contributed to uh, VEASAN and, of course, um, at NBC Sports Edge as well. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate the circa backdrop, man. They, they appreciate it as well that you do that. Um, and we'll talk next week. Matt Brown from Primetime Action, who I will see momentarily uh, to do our thing. By the way, the finest radio show there ever was. That's what I'm billing it now. I, said. I, nothing I, yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. Okay. I agree. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing to live up and to. And sometimes TV show. And, and sometimes TV show. You know, when there's football being yeah. played. Thank you all, man. Appreciate it so much. Uh, We look forward to the draft. Thank you all for listening to the Beating the Book podcast. Good luck with all your draft props from all of us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.